Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, board-certified plastic surgeon practicing in Miami, Florida. Now, this week, we're continuing the thought that we've been doing all month, which is looking at the new year and looking at things that people do for the new year. And, and this week, we're talking about relationships. The show is called, Can't We All Just Get Along? All About Healthy Relationships. And we're privileged to be joined by a couple of great guests today. We've got uh, another board-certified plastic surgeon who also is a celebrated author, uh, having written a number of books, most recently a book called The Skinny on Marriage, and we'll talk about that. We're also going to be joined by Dr. Robin Fine, uh, she's a Ph.D., who is a certified sexologist, and will be joining us to talk about the uh, healthy sexual relationships that we all hope and strive to have. When we're thinking about relationships, you know, we all have uh, our friends, our family, and then your significant others, your spouse, your loved one. And this is an area of life that we pretty frequently just take for granted. It's one of those things where you lean on it, you count on it, you really, you know it's there every day, and we have a tendency to take it for granted. Now, this is something that... that relationships are something that have been studied for literally thousands of years. Uh, 2,300 years ago, relationships were, were being contemplated by Aristotle. Aristotle actually wrote a number of things about relationships. And one thing is that one person is a friend to another if he is friendly to the other, and the other is friendly to him in return. So here we are just defining our friendly relationships thousands of years ago. This has been something that's been a a central point in human life and in a relationship forever. And this week, we're going to talk about ways to have healthy relationships. Obviously, you think about your health when you get sick, you want to stay in good shape, you want to keep yourself physically healthy and emotionally healthy, and part of your emotional health is having good relationships. And in fact, your emotional health is directly related at many times to the quality of your relationship, the quality of your marriage, the quality of just your interpersonal relationships. You know, if one of your better friends is having a hard time and you can empathize, you can feel, then that can affect how you feel and and your health overall. So though we're talking about relationships today, this also relates to your overall health and well-being. Let's get into talking about marriage. We'll begin with that and... uh, you know, the old Groucho Marx line, marriage is a wonderful institution. Who wants to live in an institution? So this has been something that's been poked fun at, but it's, it's something that we can all look at. Those of you who are married, those of you who are, are looking to get married one day, this is all important stuff. And we have an expert with us joining us right now. I want to introduce our first guest for today, Dr. Robin Yuan. Dr. Yuan, welcome to New Reflections. Uh, thank you, Adam. It's uh, nice to be here. Well, it's great to be here. So tell me, who wants to live in an institution? <laughs> who wants to live in an institution? <laughs> well, I, I think uh, my uh, premise of the book was that, um, and, I, and I wrote it from a cosmetic surgeon's point of view, is that both cosmetic surgery and marriage are what I consider to be unnecessary. So I guess if you're talking about an institution, usually people are institutionalized against their will. 
But uh, <laughs> oh, marriage is something hopefully you do uh, of your own volition. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, so now your book, The Skinny on Marriage, you say you, you, you did this from the point of view of cosmetic surgery and cosmetic procedures as a, as a plastic surgeon. How do those two relate? You know, I, I'm a plastic surgeon and, and I can see some similarities. I mean, you and I have talked about this off the show. But tell me, how did you find this link? Where did this come from, this link between marriage and uh, a relationship in marriage and plastic surgery? Well, well, that's probably the first and most common question or, or query that pe- uh, people who hear about the book ask me because um, they don't get it. And it comes from a number of different um, points of view. I, th- I think um, I had just finished my other book that I published at the beginning of last year called uh, Behind the Mask, Beneath the Glitter, uh, The Deeper Truth About Cosmetic Surgery. And so my mind was filled about um, that book, and basically which was about the philosophy of uh, cosmetic surgery. And one of the um, principles is that uh, cosmetic surgery is unnecessary. And um, at the same time, I was involved with uh, a divorce that I've been going through and thinking a lot about relationships and marriage. So I was trying to figure out how to put the two together, and I've always felt going into surgery that I was in, in some sense married to my patients. You know, there was a sort of relationship and trust that I built with them, and I was trying to provide for them something that they were looking for. So um, as, a, as a couple, so to speak, that, that was a, a nice metaphor for, for marriage. <clears throat> and so as I was thinking more about this, um, the things that I do um, to get my patients um, through this uh, cosmetic procedure and make them happier, give them a better quality of life, make them more secure, or self-confident, or whatever it is that they were looking for, um, I think it applied very well to the institution or the endeavor of marriage. Well, you know, I I can definitely see the relationship you build with your patients. I spend a lot of time with my patients, even at the first consultation, getting to know them, understanding what they're really looking for, and we are providing that. But there's a difference between being in the position of a doctor taking care of someone and, of course, wanting to provide the best care, and then being in the relationship. Uh, so, where did where did the I guess you were, your personal life and personal experiences led you to try to marry the no pun intended but marry the two together and uh, you started thinking about the similarities. So where did it begin? Well, um, as I say, you know, it really comes down to a probably contrarian point of view. That is that cosmetic surgery is unnecessary most of the time. You know, patients want to have some sort of procedure done. They're, they're approaching, it, approaching it very emotionally. Um, doctors um, and the industry of plastic surgery are trying to get patients to do something to, to either entice them or, or, or um, <clears throat> um, um, promote their, their procedures or their practice. So everything is driven towards um, um, getting a patient to do something. And my feeling is that no one needs to do anything. You know, they do it from an, a, a desire point of view. So well, that's true. Um, that's I, actually a, that's a great point. You know, when we see this, this comes up a lot when folks come to the office, and I can see how you can relate it to a relationship. It's important you go into it with the right frame of mind and the right reasoning, right motivation. A lot of folks come, and you mentioned divorce. Divorce is, is often a, a, a reason folks start thinking about having procedures and. Or even just a failing relationship is another reason people start thinking about having procedures. And as you say, 
Uh, I always tell my patients, plastic surgery is not a business of need. It's a business of want. Right, and, and also it. it's not really business of actually doing the procedure. I, I really don't think much about the procedure. So if a patient comes in and says, well, I want my nose done, I want my breasts enlarged, I don't think of it as the procedure I'm going to be doing and how can I do it. I think about the patient and why she there, why she's there and what she's looking for, what intangible benefits she's going to derive from that. Um, and it's sort of the same thing with marriage, that people tend to be um, focused on getting married, um, and, and they may not think beyond that in terms of what's the real goal of getting married. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the, I think the two of them are similar from that point of view. Um, and, and I always... Um, I've always believed that what I do is really about relationships and about how you deal with patients. It sort of goes back to the old, uh, you know, uh, traditional doctor-patient relationship um, and and um, medicine as a as an art form. Um, we, we do want to do tangible things, and that comes up in my book in terms of what tangible benefits you get from marriage, just like there are tangible benefits from cosmetic surgery, whatever, whether it's a large breast, larger breast, or smaller breast, or whatever. <clears throat> but it's really the emotional um, feelings that you have along the way and what you get derived long-term that is really the goal. And that's what I try to focus on in my consultation. I really don't think that much about the actual procedure until later, much later well, in the process. Yeah, I think, I think that's important because, you know, when, when we're thinking about operating on someone, there's a lot of factors that go into why they're coming to have it. And, and operating on someone that's going in there with some romantic idea of what they're going to get out of having the procedure is, uh, is a big mistake. And, you know, one that you can get both the patient and the doctor into, you know, a whole world of difficulty. So, I think that's an important thing. And when, when you're looking at marriage, it's an interesting premise that you started with because you don't have to be married. You know, it was funny, sociologically, over the years, things have changed. You know, uh, probably in the 60s and the 70s, it was the leave it to beaver type of mentality where everyone should have, you know, should be married with their 2.4 kids, the dog and the white picket fence. And then in the 80s, things changed a little bit, and, and women were taking more of an active role in earning for the family and, and uh, really defining themselves more individually and not by their relationship. And so there you see more and more professional women coming through it in those years, in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, in, in uh, probably in the, in the 90s, the early 2000, you saw a lot of professional women starting families later and, and men starting families later in life. And uh, you see older parents with younger kids, and, and that sort of is the result of concentrating more on your career and yourself and establishing yourself and becoming self-sufficient and, and established. And now I think I've seen uh, a little bit of a trend in the other direction that folks are thinking about getting married earlier. But I, I think the old view of the expectation that, you know, you'd, you'd get out of high school, you get into college, and you start you know, we, we always used to talk about getting your MRS degree, you know, people going to find their wife or, or the husband in college. I think that had gone away for a while, and now I, I think there's a little bit of resurgence. Maybe we can get into this when we introduce Dr. Fine in a little bit and, and get her take on it. But I think there, there may be a returning sense that marriage is sort of the expected thing to do. Certainly, you look at divorce rates. The marriage, the failure rate of marriage is significant. 
significant. And perhaps it's because people don't give it the same kind of vetting that we give when we're seeing patients and people into it with romantic ideas and, and move quickly and, and uh, don't really consider the, all the aspects of entering into that type of a relationship, taking a relationship to that place. And it, it becomes all too quickly reality uh, and frequently not always the best reality, but you know, relationships take work. It's not something that uh, that you kind of buy into and suddenly magically everything kind of continues at status quo. So uh, I agree, marriage is not necessary, just like having an operation, you know, having cosmetic surgery is not necessary. And so where would you go from there? Now, we, we know it's not necessary, and, and let's talk about other similarities. Well, well, I think there are a couple of concepts that, that, uh, that you brought up that I just want to touch on. Um, first, what one is, uh, you know, in talking about sociological trends or statistics, I always tend to discount that a bit um, because in cosmetic surgery, we always bring up statistics and, and possibilities of this or incidents of that. Um, and those are, as I tell my patients, are a result of individual behavior. They're not necessarily a predictor of each individual's outcome or behavior. Um, so sometimes patients can get fooled into thinking that they're going to have a certain outcome based on statistics. And what I try to do in my practice, which I also advise in, in the marriage book, is um, to look at each person as an individual. So we can look at sociological trends, um, but if, if you look at um, the, 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 the set of patients or, or couples in, in those statistics, they're all individuals. They come from different backgrounds, different ethnic um, um, groups, uh, different uh, economic um, um, levels. And, and so I, I try to, with each patient, discount all the uh, statistics that might be floating around in everybody's head and just focus on the individual patient because what you do with that individual patient will be the thing that impacts the statistics. And the same thing with the sociological trends. Um, and, and when you, the other point is thinking about marriage, you can't not think about divorce. Um, and that's what makes marriage so important. And one of the reasons why I wrote the book is um, because when people start out getting married, most couples are very happy. <laughs> you know, they want to get married. Um, they may have, you know, doubts about certain things, but, you know, they, they go through with something in a, in a relatively positive or even a static point, uh, a frame of mind, and then something happens along the way to make them enemies or make them not want to be with each other, and they get divorced. <clears throat> and the same thing with with surgery is that you can have a first consultations and be enamored with each other, and then two years later have a lawsuit sitting on your table. And the question <laughs> is, what happens in between? So you can't really uh, talk about marriage without thinking about divorce. And and what I did was. Um, more or less take the um, the process by which I bring patients through cosmetic surgery and apply it to interpersonal and marital relationships because I realized that as a surgeon and as a cosmetic surgeon as well as a reconstructive surgeon, um, I was much more successful, like most, like most doctors are, than um, um, being a success at being, at being married. Um, as you mentioned, marriage ends up 50% of the time in divorce, yet when we do surgery, uh, I've, I've, I've never had a lawsuit, you know, that, that was derived from cosmetic surgery, and I, and I attribute it to the relationships that I build with my patients. So um, I think there, there 
the, the relationship aspect, which you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, is so key, so crucial to surgery, and um, a lot of those principles and elements and practices can be directly applied to, to marriage. Interesting. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'm going to continue this discussion about marriage and relationships, and I'll introduce our next guest, and uh, we'll, we'll start a little bit of a group discussion talking about relationships right after we take this short commercial break here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to Reflections. Uh, I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, and we're joined by Dr. Robin Yuan in California. And now joining us, I'd like to introduce our next guest, who is Dr. Rhonda Fine. Dr. Rhonda Fine is a certified sexologist who works here in Miami and deals with these issues on a, a year-round basis, not just at the new year, but here we are, and we're privileged to have Dr. Fine. Dr. Fine, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's Glad great to, to have here. you on the show. So you, you probably heard a little bit of our discussion about marriage, and Dr. Yuan began with the premise that marriage is not necessary. And then we were talking a little bit about how that's changed over the years. You think of the social influences. Sometimes people were expected to be married by the age of 22, and if you weren't, you know, that was some disaster in your personal life. And and then people were not getting married until their late 30s, 40s, 50s, even with the first marriage. And now I think the pendulum swing back in the other way. What's your take on that? Well, it depends how far back you go thinking about marriage. Marriage used to be for property and ownership of funds and making sure that you have heirs. 
And, you know, it, it's come, you know, in the, in the last part of the century is to kind of give protection to the, the woman and the family unit. As time has gone on, marriage isn't necessary for a woman to have children or to have her own financial security. And so it's very confusing because we get married on what we want at that time. So if we're growing up and we want a law degree or a medical degree, and then we want children, we look for marriage. Or, you know, if we don't want those things for ourselves, then we do believe we should get married right out of high school or out of college. And so we want different things at different times of our lives, not preparing for the fluidity of, you know, our future and the rest of our lives. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing how those things change over time and and how, you know, when you think about it, really, in, in any of the references, thinking about marriage and its role, the, the bottom, the, you know, the common denominator, the thing that stays the same across all consideration is that it's really not a necessary thing for either party. So we all enter into it uh, voluntarily and willingly. And, and so where, where's the breakdown? Why do we have, you know, this, it's a very common statistic, which, by the way, is not really a valid statistic. They say that 50% of marriages end in divorce, so the divorce rate is 50%. That's not actually true. What that's looking at is the number of divorces, at least my understanding of where that number, that statistic came from, is that they look at the number of divorces in a year and the number of new marriages in a year. And so there's half as many divorces as there are new marriages. But that's not really a valid statistic because it's not looking at total number of married people. So it's a little bit inflated at 50%, but certainly it's quite common. Where's the, the breakdown? What's the most common thing you see in your clients? I think people grow apart and people want different things for themselves. And I think in different parts of the country, the breakdown is different. You know, in, in places how so? I'm sorry? How so? That's interesting. Well, Explain. In places like Miami, I see a lot of breakdown in marriages because, um, you know, older men want younger women, and where breakdown in marriages um, in, in the middle of the country really comes from growing apart or wanting different things, breaking of boundaries. Um, different parts of the United States have a different culture. And I think that unrealistic expectations is really the common denominator and thinking that somebody else is going to be responsible for your happiness throughout your whole life is, um, you know, not really a good expectation to have with marriage. Now, there's an interesting thing, Dr. Yuan. That's a phrase we are very familiar with, isn't it? Sorry, I missed what you said. I, the the un, unrealistic expectations. Yeah. You, 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 that's well, a phrase. That's that, one of the, uh, another reason why I wrote the book on marriage is because um, th there are many things that we don't think about or talk about um, going into marriage, and you realize it's such a big part. And, it's, and, and, and after you've been through it and in divorce, you say, "Well, that, that's obvious." You know, it's obvious. And, and as doctors, we already know that. Uh, and you know, we wouldn't not talk about certain things that we know are going to cause problems down the road. And you know, there's a chapter about informed consent. You know, we we are legally bound to tell the patients all the bad things that can happen 
when they're about to embark upon cosmetic surgery. But we hardly ever talk about those things going into marriage because we don't want to. But it seems foolish to to not talk about it when, you know, whether it's 40% or 50% or in in, in, in third marriages, 70% uh, divorce rates are staring us in the face. So that's one of, you know, the, the unrealistic expectations is certainly um, uh, prominent. And the other thing in, in terms of talking about sociological trends in the history of marriage is that, as, as I mentioned, marriage sounds great when, when, you know, you're in a village of 200 people and the village is, uh, you know, three days apart and you're going to live to your 30s and 40s. So marriage <laughs> makes sense. But... Nowadays, people live in their 80s, 90s. They go through three, four generations. Um, you can connect with other um, sex partners or, or companions with, with a touch of a, of a mouse, key, you know, mouse or a keyboard. Um, so it's a, it's a different world that you have to realize the marriage um, needs to negotiate. So that, that, that's an interesting premise. I mean, maybe maybe we're just not built for this. Having you know, with with science increasing our lifespan and and communication being so easy, maybe maybe is, is marriage has become obsolete. No, I don't I, think marriage has become obsolete. But I think your frame of mind going into marriage and the and the knowledge you need to have going into it when you when you finally said yes, this is what I want. Um, that has, to, I think, that that has to change. There has to be more understanding of what you're going to get into. If if you hear what what you're going to get into and you say, no, nah, that's not for me, then that's fine. You don't have to get married. But if you're going to embark upon marriage and an impact of someone else's life, and combine with someone else's else's life, and have children that then get impacted, uh, I I think you should know about all these things that we don't talk about. Uh, and and uh, so the, the book. Uh, um, it comes from a very practical point of view because what usually breaks marriage apart, you know, we say growing apart, but why did you grow apart? It, it's oftentimes very practical things. You know, in, in Hollywood, the practical thing is usually, you know, the wife is making a movie in Africa and the husband's, you know, playing basketball in Texas, you know, for, for seven months out of the year. So that, that's a practical aspect of marriage and they grow apart. So I think if, if uh, people know... Um, these these practical matters that they can have control over, then marriage becomes more um, understandable and potentially more successful. So we need more disclosure, is your suggestion. It's interesting when you think about informed consent, you make a good point. When we're thinking about performing a procedure, we do spend lots of time talking about even the most rare possibilities just for complete disclosure and, and good consent. And we don't give, typically, the same type of attention to marriage. So, Dr. Fine, is this something that, that you think is a, is a good thing? Is this something that we should be doing? Should we be talking about, you know, what if, what, what might lead to divorce, the risk factors? Well, I believe premarital counseling to make sure everybody's on the same page when they get married is important because you don't want to get married with the idea that, all right, well, you know what, things are going to change as soon as we say, I do. But I think a healthy relationship that has respect, trust, support, honesty, responsibility, et cetera, et cetera, is at the, the, the bottom of every successful marriage. Because remember, a marriage lasts, quote, unquote, a lifetime. And over a lifetime, we're faced with many, many different challenges. And if our relationship isn't healthy, we're not 
able to face those challenges together, and a lot of the challenges of life is what pulls marriage apart, whether it's illness, disabilities, accidents, you know, if somebody loses their job, um, a sick child, and I think always paying attention to your relationship and always working on your relationship is key to a successful marriage. That's interesting. You mentioned... Uh, you mentioned all the different stressors that come up, and you say, you know, this is a relationship for a lifetime. But as Dr. Yuan was just talking about, lifetime is a relative term. It's changed over the last couple centuries, where you know, lifetime used to be living to 40 years old, and then it you know, became a lifetime was maybe 60, and now we're living into 80. And so is it, is it possible that we're just not meant to, I mean, is it so challenging for two people to be together for that period of time? You look at the average age of marriage, it must be somewhere uh, in the late 20s, I would imagine. And so if you're living to be even 70 years old, it's you're looking at pretty much near 50 years together. Well, I guess it depends if we're defining marriage or if we're defining able to stay with the same partner, because the concept of marriage is something that I think we want through the whole our continuum of life no matter how long that is we want a partner we want you know somebody to share with you know because we're, we're humans and you know we're not pack animals but we certainly are not loners and so maybe the person that we're you know we first meet who we're you know going on a career with and opening a business with is different from the person that we think is going to have the same mothering skills or, or fathering skills is different from the person we want to retire with. That's possible. But I think the idea of having a partner, of having neighbors, is, is something that we always want as people. We always seek that out. But sure, sure. Know, I mean, whether you're calling it, you know, whether you call it marriage or, or just having a significant other... I guess the question is, you know, as we said, marriage itself is not necessary. It's something, it's basically a, a legal state of being uh, for one reason or another. And, and in some cases, not only legal, but you know, religious in some cases. But whatever the motivation, marriage is, does not define, the fact that you have a marriage license doesn't define the fact that you're with this other person, presumably exclusively. And so, you know, it is, have things changed now in our society, as Dr. Yuan mentioned earlier, with uh, things like Facebook and, and being able to communicate in mere seconds with anyone anywhere in the world, has that changed our perspective and maybe spending the rest of your life with someone is, is obsolete? Yeah, I think it's made it more difficult. Uh, um, marriage simply is a, really legally is just a contract where we intertwine our finances and, and things like that. It's really just not hanging out with our significant other. It's just a legal and binding contract. But I think all of these, like Facebook, has made um, re to have one relationship um, more complicated because when you're able to, let's say, um, interact with you know, your high school sweetheart when you're actually interacting with them over the computer, you really emotionally go back to that time when you were with them. So you feel elated and resilient, whereas when, 
and you might be going through something difficult in your relationship presently, and so it takes away from your marriage. Yeah, well, you know. there's certainly a lot of stresses, and all this is there's a lot more to discuss. We need to take one more brief commercial break, which we're going to do. And when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion about marriage and relationships. And when we come back, we'll do a little bit of talking about what are the typical things that go wrong and concentrate on how we can improve the health of our relationships. So we'll come right back after these short messages. Join us again here on Reflections. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You can also send an email to info at dr rubenstein.com. That's info at dr rubenstein.com. Now, back to new reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're having a fascinating discussion about relationships and marriage. We're joined by Dr. Robin Yuan, who's a board-certified plastic surgeon in uh, Beverly Hills, California. And we're also joined by Dr. Rhonda Fine, who's a certified sexologist here in Miami, Florida. And we were just talking about uh, the difference between marriage and just spending your time with someone and how things have changed over the years. And we were talking about how marriage fails and the 50% divorce rate earlier. Let's talk about the things that typically go wrong. Now, one thing that we were just talking about during the break together, the three of us, was the uh, the idea that there there are certain things that will lead to breakdowns of marriage. And one of them, uh, if not your top three, may be related to your sex life. And Dr. Fine, as a certified sexologist, this is really your forte. This is what people come to you to deal with. And so when you're looking at the sexual relationship, whether it's in a marriage or just an intimate relationship, what are the things that go wrong? What, what's the breakdown? Well, in terms of sex, we have to understand that sex is fluid over a lifetime. So the way we are sexually 
when we're teenagers is different than how we are while we're, we're pregnant, after we have children, and as we age. And we really have a, a taboo in our culture and even in, you know, the medical profession as far as be, being able to speak to your physician about sex. So sex doesn't really come to being a legitimate complaint or a legitimate way to communicate. So sometimes as we age and our sexuality is changing, we're not able to embrace or explore the differences, and so um, we suffer sexually. We couldn't be suffering hormonally, or we could be suffering with our body image as we grow. And um, that can inflict shame and a, and a decrease in self-esteem, and that could also affect our relationship. So our sexuality becomes very complicated, but if our relationship becomes dissatisfied, it causes all sorts of problems. A lack of communication is huge when it comes to um, marital breakups or an unhealthy relationship because sometimes we're not speaking about the underlying things which is really affecting our relationship. We're just talking about the things that's happening at the time and the, our avoidance behaviors. Um, another thing that really impacts relationships is from the get-go people weren't looking in the right in the same direction and they thought the actual marriage ceremony itself was going to change the other person and so therefore if they thought one person was not good with finances or another person oh they'll change their mind about having children and they actually don't um, they end up you know having a, a problem in a failed marriage so expectations communications and not understanding how we change as we age, both physically, emotionally, and hormonally, is what I see as the biggest failures of marriage. So it really is a you mentioned those, Dr. Feinstein, because you summarize the the book because the number one, the the first chapter is motivation. You know, uh, what motivates a person or a couple to get married when they don't have to, and and a lot of it has to do with communicating what you want and you don't want. And a lot of people, I think, don't do that, and they don't look at the long-term picture. They just look at where they are now um, and that they want to be together, and they sort of you know, they take for granted that the rest of the world and the rest of the life is going to be um, perfect. Um, but another part of um, the relationship has to do, as you say, with the expectations of what happens after marriage. And I call that adjustment because in, in cosmetic surgery, patients always are adjusting. And if they don't understand that there is, there is that adjustment that they have to make in, in their emotion, in their physical world, they, they can get very upset and, and they don't realize the, um, the, the process of adjustment. They'll, they'll ask us one week after surgery, well, how come my nose looks like this? So what's happening to my breast? Or I'm, you know, why am I, you know, feeling this way? And I said, you know, you're looking at one week after surgery. Uh, the other thing is that the, the the couple, the person going through marriage, or the patient going through cosmetic surgery, who feels like their life is not going to change for some reason, that that being married, they can keep doing whatever it is that they're doing. I think is going to get into trouble because 
marriage is, is about adjustment. If you don't go in thinking, oh, I'm going to have to adjust my life um, in whatever way, part of it may be adjusting sexuality and, and knowing that, as you say, throughout your life, your sexuality is going to change, your partner's sexuality is going to change, and then you're going to have to adjust to it. If you don't understand that and accept that, then you are going to have problems. But if you do understand that, it's like having an informed consent. You say, you, you've talked about the, the change in sexuality. You can, at, at a later stage in time, say, look at we're at this stage. We talked about this. You know, so, so you get into less trouble. It's not the gut into the problem, but I think you can address the problem more directly. It certainly is a fluid, a fluid matter, but it, it kind of keep coming around to the same idea, and that is to really it's centered around communication and having open communication and having a well thought out and thorough communication. So let, let's talk a little bit about what we're what we really should be thinking about. You know, it's one thing when you first meet someone, you you have this period of time where everything is wonderful and you're really enjoying each other's company in every way. And that, you know, leads to a more extended relationship and you start becoming committed to one another. At what point, should it be throughout the relationship, you should start having these discussions, obviously, when you start getting more serious with each other? Or, you know, where do we begin having those kind of discussions, certainly before you enter into marriage? And what Discussion should we have? What are we talking about? Dr. Fine, where, what do you think are the most important aspects of, of your lives to talk about to avoid finding yourself in this you know, bad situation down the road? Well, I think it's multifaceted. I, each person has to be a whole person before they can be married well. So if you don't know who you are, and you don't have confidence in yourself and you don't have a vision for your future, you're compromising any partnership you go into, whether it be a business partnership or a marriage partnership. How resilient you are as a person and how resilient you can be as a couple, I think, is a large factor in whether your marriage will be successful. So whatever life throws at you individually, or whatever life throws at you as a couple, and how you react to that is going to determine in large part how, how successful your marriage is going to be. So I think we have to be emotionally healthy when we go into a relationship. So when we first meet somebody, obviously there is a chemistry that takes place and there's an actual word for it. It's called limbrance. I like to call it as the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil time of <laughs> meeting someone where your friends say, oh, you know, he's terrible, and you go, oh, no, he's wonderful, you know, kind of thing. And that wears off after a while, all that, our internal pharmacy surging, you know, that wears off. And then we have to get down to the business of really evaluating who this person is and does this person have the same wants and desires as I do and are there a lot of challenges such as are we from different religions or different cultures or you know or are there a little bit of challenges and do we have the same belief systems and um, is this person capable of respect can I trust this person are they accountable uh, you know and I don't think we go through that I think we're, we're just 
we see somebody, we love them, we're getting along well, and now we're going to get married. And sometimes people get so caught up in the dressings of marriage, you know, the wedding dress and the flowers and the marriage and who's going to be my bridesmaid, that we, we don't continually just kind of see who we're getting married to. So preparation, you know, really preparing yourself first and then really being prepared as a couple. It sounds like uh, you have to have personal accountability in, in these relationships. Step number one, if we're thinking about having a healthy relationship, how do we advise people? Step number one is make, your, make sure that your own house is in order, so to speak, that, that you're ready to be there and, and be honest with yourself about that and, and, and be in a place where you can handle the stresses that are going to come. And then when you're looking at your partner, that's a difficult assessment. This is, you know, you, you do have that in, with, with the brothers. You are giving that, that pass to everyone, so to speak. And when things begin to settle in, a lot of times you're pretty far into the relationship. And so how do you make that assessment? Should you, have, should you have discussions about something? Is something you should talk about? How would you suggest? Well, you, you have to, but, you know, sometimes you can, you know, you hear people, they come with these big lists. I want somebody who makes this amount of money, who's this height, who, you know, wants children, who has a good sense of humor, and, and these lists could go on and on and on and on. You can have 50 things on the list. And that gets kind of complicated, and it, it gets a little silly. Well, but you're you're already past that because you were you know now you're in the relationship, so it's not like you're you're going to the mall to shop for your next you know significant other. You're already in this relationship, and so you know you know what kind of money this person's making. You know what they look like. I mean, that's that's number one when you, when you see someone that you that physical attraction for most people is number one. So here we are, and and you're together. How do you broach that subject? Well, it I think first you have to broach the subject with yourself, and you have to say. What characteristics am I never going to consent to live with? You know, is this person drink too much? Is this person dishonest? And so on and so forth. And then you, if you have questions, you have to be able to say, hey, listen, you know, um, we've been going together for a while, and this is what my expectations of our relationship are. What are yours? So just disclosure, that's a good place to start, yeah. That's a good place to start just discussing expectations. Yeah, we really have to just get it up on the table. We're going to take one last commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to come back and we'll talk about the things that we can do. We've started talking about how we can prepare ourselves and things to steps to take to ensure that you prepare each other. We're going to get more into that and kind of sum it up on our last segment when we come back after this brief commercial break. Join us again in just a few moments on New Reflections. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor. 
is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. We're here on New Reflections, and we've been talking all about relationships and marriage, and talked about a lot of the things that go wrong and the, the typical things that people fail to do. Now we're, we're start starting to talk about what we can do to do things the right way, the best way, and avoid a lot of the traps that people find themselves in. And we just started by saying you have to get yourself in order, really understand yourself, and be secure and, and be honest with yourself about what you want and what you're looking for and, and what you can live with and not. You know, those deal breakers, Dr. Fan, you were mentioning things you just you can't live with. That's, that's probably a, a commonly overlooked thing because you may love many things about the person you're with. And there may be maybe one element or two elements that drive you crazy and you, you overlook them. But you have to be honest about deal breakers. Is this something you just simply can't live with, whatever that may be? It's an ill-fated relationship if you just enter it trying to ignore it. You can't just you know, push it under the rug and hope that the, nobody notices the bump on the rug. This is something that you have to be honest with. So getting your own house in order, getting yourself stable and prepared for the relationship, that's number one. Now, as a couple, we were just beginning to talk about how you can prepare. So you know, you had mentioned the, the more superficial things, you know, how someone looks, the money, the, the various qualities you're looking for in someone. And, and having a discussion about that, but we, as I said, right before we went to break, we're past that. You know, you're in a relationship, you've been together maybe a few months, maybe a few years, and now you're looking down the road and saying, hey, is this someone that I can spend the rest of my life with, something I want to do? What is the most healthy way to begin discussions that are, that are important? What should we be talking about? Well, in the first place, if you don't feel you can talk to that person about your future and what you want, that's the wrong person. Because throughout your whole life, you cannot be with somebody you are afraid to talk to. So if you cannot bridge this conversation or have this conversation, that's the wrong person. And if you can, then you have to be able to be honest. You have to be able to negotiate and be fair and, you know, see if you want the same things. You know, it's nice to gaze into each other's eyes, but if you're not looking in the same direction... You're not going to achieve the, the goals that both of you want. So what you have to do is marriage really is a partnership, and you have to be able to um, have a give and have a take and know that 
You know, sometimes it's going to be 50-50, but sometimes it's going to be 90-10. And how you think really defines your reality, and it defines how you relate to others in the world around you. And so if the two of you are thinking different things, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, to the Peace Corps and travel, and, oh, no, I'm going to have babies, you know, you're not having a coherent idea of what your life should be like. So trying to have a common vision, really discussing plans for the future, hopes and aspirations for life, and having some commonality. Is is it necessary, you think, to be parallel? I mean, there's got to be some differences. No two people have exactly the same vision for their life. But obviously, divergent things like what you're talking about, someone who's going to go off and uh, join the Peace Corps, or, or Dr. Yuan, what you were talking about earlier in Hollywood, where you've got an actress who's going to be on location in one country, and maybe another actor or actress, you know, someone who, who is in a relationship with them that's going to be someplace else professionally. That is divergent, and that can be a problem, or or maybe it can't. You know, uh, I guess it, it really is having that honest discussion. If you have the two people that are self-actualized, that understand what they want in life and they're comfortable and set, then then I think you can, you can overcome those type of divergent interests because there may be more important things, but... Checking, going down your list and making sure that they're fairly compatible, that's, that's an excellent place to begin. In terms of t- timing, if I can interject uh, this aspect of timing, and most of the time we don't know what perfect timing is. Uh, you, know, we, you know, people do get married uh, for whatever reasons at certain times in their life, but you can't really define, oh, it's perfect if you, we both have jobs and we both you know, um, have money in the bank and we both you know, want this. So it, it's very rarely perfect, but... We oftentimes, just like in, in, with, with patients, we don't know when the perfect time is to do an augmentation or rhinoplasty or facelift, but we generally have a sense of when it's not perfect, when the timing is not right, and, and that's when you should be wary, um, um, when you have doubts about, oh, I'm not quite ready, or I'm doing this and you're doing that. You could still be meant for each other, but the timing of actually consummating a relationship in a marriage uh, may not be correct. So that's an interesting point, Dr. Fine. Uh, how about that? How about, you know, you're, you're, if you have any doubt, you know, Dr. Yuan was talking about if you think, well, I don't know if I can do that or that, it, is, is there a certain critical amount of doubt or is it important, you know, once you see something, say, I don't know if I can live with that, is, are you, is that just not the right time? Is it not the right person? Well, it's important for an individual not to have resentment. So, you know, if you kind of make a deal that, you know, I'm going to raise our family when while you're going through medical school or whatever and, you know, that doesn't work out, you have to be able to voice your opinion as you're having challenges rather than suffer in silence and become resentful because resentments can really harm a relationship. So if things as, you know, they say life happens as you live it, don't really go as you expect it or you have extra added challenges or burdens, you have to be able to speak with your partner and go to your partner without fear and be able to say, hey, listen, we have to make a little bit of an adjustment. And the partner has to be flexible enough to make that adjustment. So it's a negotiation and fairness, you know, not equal, but a fairness that has to be in a marriage throughout a lifetime. So it sounds like if we had three steps. You know, we're talking about the new year. We're still in January, thinking about trying to make improvements for your relationships. Number one, 
if I can summarize everything we've been talking about, number one is let's get yourself in order. Make sure that you're comfortable with your own place and your own being and that there's nothing you need to do to improve or feel more comfortable about yourself. And the next thing is make sure you've got good communication with whomever your partner is, that you're exchanging ideas and talking to each other openly. That Communication is this running theme that we seem to be talking about, is having good, open communication. And number three, uh, I think, is being flexible, being fluid in what you want, what your partner wants, and, and being able to accept those kind of changes. So, you know, I, I think that's really the take-home message. Get yourself in order, have a good discussion, open communication between the two of you, and be flexible with each other and understanding so that as life throws its tribulations at you and the changes that you're not expecting, you can walk down the road together and weather the storm. Right. I would also also add that I think you should... And we should, all of us, should learn to show more appreciation for our partner. Oh, that's a great bit of advice. Appreciation, I would put that up with everything that we've been talking about. Maybe even uh, the number one element in keeping each other happy is you may feel the appreciation always. Just voice it every now and then. I'm guilty as much as anybody. We could all say I love you more and, and tell them how wonderful they are, how much you appreciate what they do. I think that's probably the best. If you do one thing for the new year, tell your partner how you feel. Adam, we, the, yes, the last chapter of my book starts out with the, the, the quote that a patient, you'd love to hear from patients, and that is, I love you, Dr. Yuan. I love you, Dr. Rubenstein. You're the best. That's, <laughs> that's what we hope to get from every patient. And what I say in marriage is that you do all the things necessary to get that from your partner. And let's try giving it out a little bit, too. Well, uh, that great stuff. We had a great discussion here, guys. Thanks for joining me. I want to thank my uh, my guest, Dr. Robin Yuan, uh, Dr. Rhonda Fine. And uh, we'll be back next week with a new show here on New Reflections. Thanks for joining us. See you soon. informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for New Reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you.